and welcome to worship at First United Methodist Church right here. We're so excited to be together. If you're a visitor, we will be enhanced by your visitation, and I hope that our service helps you or enhances you. That's a better word, isn't it? So it's a few announcements. Um, the last of the summer organ recital series will be on Sunday, September 22nd at Broad Street Christian Church, and our one and only Jill will be participating in that. So it's at 4 o'clock, at 4, playing at 4. Um, the other thing, I think you've been seeing some pictures from our Rise Against Hunger, and I want to tell you a few things about it. In one hour and 45 minutes, we packed 82 cartons of meals. That's 2,706 pounds. That's over a ton. We did that in one hour and 45 minutes. Whew, done. 2,952 meal packs were packed. 17,712 individual meals were packed. And a carton was filled every one and a fourth minutes. So, it was quite an exciting time. It was exciting for what we did, and even more exciting, or as exciting, was how we did it. It was a community effort. It was Uptown Rotary, the Boy Scouts first, Trinity UMC, Trini Holy Trinity Lutheran, Carlisle Interact, Bassett Beta, Carter Bank and Trust. 88 people from those diverse groups came together to create this miracle. Thank you, Linda. You did a wonderful job of getting everybody together. So now I want you to feel really good about yourselves. And now the next thing I'm going to talk about is Encore. The information on it is in your bulletin about uh, how to contribute and what to mark in your, in your uh, check. And as I was getting ready today, um, I or Paul, actually, for me, contacted UMCOR to say, what's going on right now? What will our money go for? And it's um, helping the New York Conference finalize plans to coordinate long-term volunteers in Puerto Rico and for the Bahamas. They have been in Puerto Rico since Maria. UMCOR is there, helping rebuild and clean. They're there. The North Carolina Conference, they're hoping the North Carolina Conference receive, they've received clearance for an early response teams in Ocracoke. Did y'all see the pictures of the road on, on the internet that went around? It was just really a mess. Okay, we have that. And then a little personal note. This summer, Paul and I were traveling around and we went across the panhandle of Florida. And there's a town called Mexico City Beach. It, got hit by a hurricane last year. There were Encore trailers there. They were still there. The place was, I know they've done a lot. I mean, everybody has, but there was, you could still tell there'd been a hurricane. It was so exciting and made me feel so proud to see the Encore trailers there, and we're part of that. We are part of that through our connectional system. I just, it overwhelms me how much we can do as a denomination and as groups. So I want you to think about all those things and feel very good about yourselves. I'm going to trust that your teachers taught you well and you can read all the announcements. If you can't, 
your parents will read them to you. Uh, is there anything that needs to be announced that isn't in the bulletin? All right. Well, shall we prepare to worship God?
Please join me in our call to worship. entered your chapel, O God, where the memories of saints, messages of peace, imperatives of prophets echo. For where sin is erased by grace and despair, replaced with hope. We are glad you're here this morning. Okay, our initial hymn this morning is number 60, I'll Praise My Maker While I've Breath.
of you singing his words. You sounded marvelous. Let's do the opening prayer, and then you can come up, Linda, okay? Uh, let us pray. Creator, parent of all humankind, whose love for all of us was revealed in Jesus Christ, draw us into a relationship of trust in you that will help us day by day to discern more clearly the way, the truth, and the life you intend for us. Give us such piety of heart and strength of purpose that no self-impassion can hinder us from knowing your will and no weakness from doing it. In your light, may we see life clearly and in your service find perfect freedom. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Now, Linda asked to say a few words about Rise from Hunger, Rise and Hunger. I really don't like to speak, but I felt like I just had to praise God this morning, and it's because of how blessed we are. God, yesterday, there was a group that could not come that we had invited, and last year, it was 30 of them that came. So I prayed really hard the night before that God would supply the need, and he did. He takes care of us here at First Church, and I just had to praise his name and tell everyone just what God does for us. So, anyhow, I just wanted to say thank you to the Lord this morning and for answering our prayers and taking care of our missions and our people here at First Church. Praise God. I will say, as I was saying a prayer over the last box, I had everybody come lay hands, and it was really a very moving experience. I kind of lost my voice, if you can believe that, for a minute or two. But I recovered. All right. Uh, before the scriptures are read, let us pray for God to be with our hearts. Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit, that as the scriptures are read and your word proclaimed, we may hear with joy what you have to say to us today. Amen. Ecclesiastes 3, 1 through 9. There's an opportune time to do things, a right time for everything on earth, a right time for birth and another for death right time to plant and another to reap, a right time to kill and another to heal, a right time to destroy and another to construct, a right time to cry and another to laugh, a right time to lament and another to cheer, a right time to scatter stones and another to gather stones, a right time to search and another to count your losses, a right time to hold on and another to let go, a right time to rip out and another to mend, a right time to be quiet, and another to speak up, a right time to love, and another to hate, a right time to rage roar, wage roar, <laughs> wage war, and another to make peace. There's an opportune time to do things, a right time for everything on earth. 
And if the children would like to come forward and meet Matt down here. Pleasure to meet you, I'm Matt. That dress is very pretty. Hi, so hi you guys. How you doing this morning? Good, that's awesome. So I got a quick question for you. What does it look like to always stand up for what is right? Right? It's not an easy question. Because it always is going to look different depending on what you're standing up for. Let's say you're going through school and you saw somebody who's being teased really bad and they didn't really like being teased that bad. Would you want to stick up for them? Tell the person who's bullying them to stop it? They're being mean? Yeah. You see, with Jesus, he gives us the courage to be able to stand up and make that decision. To stand up before the bullies and the people who are mean and Tell them that they're being mean. They're being not nice and they're not being kind. You see, as Christians, we must always be kind because Jesus is kind and he is definitely kind to us. He knows that when our feelings are hurt. And sometimes the Bible says that the Holy Spirit that lives within us, it's hurt too when we feel hurt. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit cries with us when we cry. So God knows what it means to have people bully him and not be kind to him and not be kind to the people who love him. So he wants us to always stick up and stand up for one another to show that kind of love and to let people know that we're not alone, that God doesn't let us be alone, even when they are mean and even when they're not being kind or nice. So let's go ahead and pray. So bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for teaching us what it means to stand up for what is right, no matter the odds and no matter who it's before, that you teach us to stand up to the bullies, even though they're mean and their words are harsh, and to stick up for those who are being bullied as well, for the people who are the victims of that meanness and that unkindness. So we thank you, Lord God, for the love that you show us and the lessons you give us. In your precious name we pray, amen. All right, so um, our three-year-olds through pre-K are going to go with Miss Annette here for Children's Church, and everybody else, stay with your families, and this guy is going to give us an awesome word of God today. Thank you. Microphones and I just don't get along. All right, now our next hymn may not be familiar but it has a wonderful tune and melody. And Beth is going to play it through for us. It begins with the refrain. She's going to play it through for us, and then we will sing. Okay?
may be seated. Didn't you like that tune? You don't have to say. <laughs> All right, our, our uh, New Testament lesson comes from Acts. And I'll be reading from the message translation. And we come in at the end of the story, but I'll tell you what happened before during the sermon. Hopefully, hopefully I've achieved that goal. Okay, at that point, they went wild. A rioting mob of catcalls and whistles and invective. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, hardly noticed. He only had eyes for God, whom he saw in all his glory with Jesus standing at his side. He said, Oh, I see heaven wide open and the Son of Man standing at God's side. Yelling and hissing, the mob drowned him out. Now in full stampede, they dragged him out of the town and pelted him with rocks. The ringleaders took off their coats and asked a young man named Saul to watch over them. As the rocks rained down, Stephen prayed, Master Jesus, take my life. Then he knelt down, praying loud enough for everyone to hear, Master, don't blame them for this sin. Those were his last words, and he died. And Saul was right there, congratulating the killers. May the Lord add his blessings to the reading. Now, you're going to hear a little bit more about Saul another time, but keep that name in mind and what he did. Um, this is full name of the uh, book is the book of the Acts of the Apostles. It's an action-packed history of the early church. You see, at this point, Jesus has died, ascended into heaven, and the Holy Spirit has descended on the apostles. And so this is, we've got to learn from this act how to make a, how to make a church. They had no, they had some ideas that they were bringing over from Judaism, but they were trying to put a church together and the Jesus people, as they were called, we didn't know the name Christian then, or people of the way, that was another name, they were growing in numbers. 3,000 were added one day when Peter preached. I'd love to have a transcript of that sermon. And more and more were added every day. And the community was really quite a hodgepodge of people trying to live together in harmony. And as we know, in any group where you try to come together and live a communal life, it's things like doing the dishes or taking out the trash that get in the way. Well, that's exactly what happened. We have two main factions. You have the Hellenists, or the Greek or pagan converts, and you have the Hebrew converts. And the Greeks felt their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution of food. Now, Peter and John were sort of leading this kind of group, and uh, they, they thought, well, you know, it might be time to make some changes. We are heavily Hebrew in our, our leadership, so they formed, in true church fashion, they formed a committee, and it was seven men who were designated to be food distributors, leaving the other leaders to preach and teach and heal. It is against this backdrop of tension that we learn of Stephen's shooting star ministry. You see, Stephen was not one of the 12. He was not even a candidate to fill Judas's place. 
Matthias got that job. And as far as we can tell, Stephen was simply a good, faithful man who could be trusted to distribute food to those who were hungry without putting more on one person's plate than the other. It has crossed my mind, if Stephen had been a better deacon, he might not have ended up a martyr. In those days, deacons were to be seen and not heard. They were to wait on table so the disciples could devote themselves to the ministry of the word, but making sack lunches for the widows of Jerusalem to turn out to be the least of Stephen's gifts. Once he had hands laid on his head, all grace and power that poured into him spilled over as signs and wonders. Now Luke doesn't give us a whole lot of details, but we know this part about him. And so maybe he was just handing somebody her lunch one day and he healed her by mistake. Maybe he only intended to stir the soup, not the spirit, but the spirit lit on him. It lit on him so that some could not take their eyes off of him. They watched him, they listened to him, and based on what they saw and heard, they decided he was no friend of God's because he showed no respect for what God had taught them through Moses. You see, he was not of that older generation. You see, he was Generation X or a millennial or whatever they're calling the newest group now. I can't keep up with them. They change so quickly. Being a baby boomer, I can't, I'll go no further. Um, and he was not steeped in the laws of the synagogue which they were trying to bring into this new religion. But he was alive in the freeing message of God's life and gospel story. It was because Stephen did what he believed God wanted him to do. People began to murmur against him. Now, murmur against is kind of Bible talk for talk bad about. Remember when they were in the desert for 40 years, they murmured at Moses for bringing him out here, no graves to bury him in? They murmured. So that, this is what that means. They murmured against Stephen, and charges were brought. And these are the charges. Listen to them. Disrespect of holy customs passed down from generation to generation. Stephen did not honor this is the way it has always been done, or we have never done it this way, dictums, which were prevalent back then. You see committees, these things. It's all, it's all here. It's all here. When the accusers finished their laundry list of complaints to the Sanhedrin, Luke tells us there was a moment of exquisite silence in which all the council members just looked at Stephen and saw that his face was the face of an angel. It was then that the angel began to preach. He had been appointed to wait tables, but God called him to preach. And preach he did, beginning with God's call to Abram and tracing the history of God's working with God's people from that time forward, always focusing on God's activity and the people's resistance, ending with a rebuke. 
how stubborn you are, heathen still at heart and deaf to the truth. You have always resisted the Holy Spirit. You are just like your fathers. Was there ever a prophet your fathers did not persecute? They killed those who foretold of the coming of the righteous one, and now you have betrayed him and murdered him. You received the law given by God's angels, yet you have not kept it. It did not take the council members very long to see his truth and to figure out how to relieve themselves of their guilt. Get rid of the messenger, then they won't have to hear it, right? They dragged Stephen out of the city and took off their jackets and asked Saul to watch over them then commenced to throw rocks at Stephen until he died. When you put the Stephen story and the Jesus story together, it's hard to deny that this is what Christian success looks like, a cross and a pile of stones. Success is not having the prettiest church in town, not even going out of your way to be kind and generous but telling the truth to power so clearly that some people will want to kill you for it. There are some problems with this, of course. And in the first place, there's Pilate's question, what is truth? That's another discussion. And in the second place, most of us have known people who believe they are being martyrs when all they are is being obnoxious. They are the ones who harass you about your faith until you finally tell them, please get lost. Then they start moaning about how hard it is to serve the Lord. Only, I don't think real martyrdom goes that way. I do not think you can seek it any more than you can avoid it. I think it just happens sometimes. When people get too wrapped up in living God's life, that they forget to protect themselves. They forget to look out for danger. And the next thing you know, it's raining rocks. Now you know about Stephen, but that was really a long time ago. So we're going to look at a little bit more recent history, but some of you are going to think this is a long time ago. But you'll hear about it some other places too. We're going to speak, it's, it's, we're going to talk about some that spoke and live the truth so clearly that people did kill them. The first that comes to mind is Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He was born in Germany in 1906. He grew up to become a pastor in what is called the Confessing Church. He was a regular pastor. He went to trustee meetings, prepared sermons. He was a regular pastor. And he uh, started a seminary for his um, his denomination, and it was called the Confessing Church, and he was, that was one of the few Christian communities that made a whole lot of noise as Hitler was rising in power. Now, Bonhoeffer had come to America, and he was uh, living in Harlem. He was part of the Harlem Renaissance. He was very involved with that. He's a very artistic person. And he heard what was happening in Germany, and he really understood it, and he said, I've got to go back. So he went back. And in 1939, he was introduced to a group seeking Hitler's overthrow. In April 1943, he was arrested by the regime and jailed in Berlin. 
When an attempt on Hitler's life failed a year later, documents were discovered that linked Bonhoeffer to the plot. On Sunday, April 8th, while conducting a worship service in prison, you see they knew where to find a preacher doing a service on Sunday, two men came up to him and said, Prisoner Bonhoeffer, come with us. And he was hanged the next day in Flossenburg. Now the next name you may not know as well, it's Jonathan Merrick Daniels. He was a 26-year-old seminarian at Episcopal Theological Seminary in Cambridge, Massachusetts. When he heard Martin Luther King Jr. on television one night ask for volunteers to come to Selma, Alabama to help secure the right of all people to vote. It was March 1965, another tumultuous time in our history. Daniels asked his dean for a leave of absence from his studies and went to Hainville, Alabama. He was arrested for joining a picket line. When he and four others were unexpectedly released on a hot afternoon, they knew something was wrong. They knew that they could just tell something was wrong. And they walked together hesitantly to a small store near the jail seeking refuge inside. Moments later, a 16-year-old girl, Ruby Scales, reached the top step in the store when a man with a gun suddenly appeared and started cursing her. Daniels pulled the girl aside and was shot in her place. He did the right thing. Now down to one of my heroes. In 1980, Oscar Romero, a Roman Catholic archbishop, in El Salvador. Now, he was a critic of all sorts of things. He was a critic of the violent government forces, right-wing extremists, left-wing guerrillas. He was always a defender of the poor. And he was, he was working in uh, Divine Providence Cancer Hospital. And he was celebrating a funeral mass and was conducting the Eucharist. And he was shot and killed. And they're not quite sure which one of the factions got him. Okay, well, rest assured, we are not all called to be martyrs, and I don't think it will happen to most of us, but we are called to speak the truth to power. And there have been those that have done it and lived. We have Mahatma Gandhi. We have Eleanor Roosevelt, Nelson Mandela, to name a few. They changed our world by speaking to the truth to power. I think most of us, in fact, try pretty hard not to be a martyr. However, as we work out what it means to be an Easter people, I think it is important to remember some of those who believed it put, meant putting something ahead of themselves and their own safety. As best I can tell, None of the three I spoke of had dying as their goal. It was just what happened to them while they were living the fullest lives they knew how and trying to make that same life available to somebody else. But you know what their murderers found out over and over again? That trying to get rid of them by killing them worked about as well as trying to get rid of dandelions by blowing on their puffs. The harder the wind blew, 
the further the seeds traveled. Some of these seeds blew all the way to here today, where we are confronted by their truth and beauty. The question for us this morning is how are we speaking the truth so clearly that the Eastern message will be heard above all the noise? Amen. Now, let us join in a time of prayer. And I will make a statement, and then I'll say, you'll name some things, and then I'll say, Lord, in your mercy, and you'll say, hear our prayer. Incline your ear to us, steadfast God. Hear our prayers. Open us once more to the place of refuge you provide. In the safety of this community, minister to our hurts, and the hurts of others. Together, let us pray for the people of this congregation. Lord, in your mercy, those who suffer and those who are in trouble the people in the path of the hurricanes. Lord, in your mercy, the the concerns of this local community, Lord, in your mercy, the world, its peoples, and its leaders. Lord, in your mercy, the church universal, its leaders, its members, and its mission. Lord, in your mercy, the communion of saints, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. And now let us pray in the prayer our Lord taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Now it is time to give ourselves and our gifts to God.
Did somebody tell the ushers? <laughs> I don't want to pass my hat. I don't have one, but... <laughs> Thank you. 
God, through the offering of these gifts, may we become more open people, open-minded in hearing your word, open-hearted in healing the broken world, and open-handed in heeding your call for charity and an act of love. With thanks for all the good gifts we present, a portion of our substance and the whole of ourselves. Amen. And now the service begins. Go forth into the world in the knowledge that you are God's body, that hope for a new world is in the blood of veins, that the struggle for justice is a beat to which our hearts respond, and that God's promise is the very stuff of which our bones are wrought. Go forth to praise God from whom all blessings flow. Go forth in peace, in the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.